First and Now, the official BC Lions podcast uh, is back. I'm your host, Matt Baker. Great to be talking football with you. We have Neil McAvoy waiting in the queue, Lions co-general manager and director of football operations. There might be a title or two I forgot to mention, but before we get to Neil, we'll start off like we always do on this show by uh, thanking our sponsor, IA Financial Group. IA Financial Group has over 125 years of experience helping Canadians. Proudly Canadian, IA Financial Group has over 7,000 employees and more than 4 million clients serving Canadians with a foundation of trust from coast to coast. IA Financial invested in you. Contact your financial advisor for more information. Neil has entered the chat now. The vaccinated Neil McAvoy. Uh, Neil, uh, understand you were in Langley, Langley Event Center over the weekend, uh, getting your first jab. Uh, was that everything you, you expected it to be? How was that for you? Yeah, we got up um, Saturday morning. I had booked online about a week before, and uh, we got up Saturday morning and uh, you know had a, uh, an appointment for 8 o'clock. And to be quite honest, as soon as I got there, um, I got scooted right in. And after I filled out my paperwork, I um, had the, uh, the vaccination. It was actually... I was complimenting the uh, the man, the young man who was doing the uh, vaccination shot at how um, gentle he was because when the needle went in, I did not feel anything. But he actually told me that because the needles are so thin, it's very rarely that you feel. I didn't even feel it go in, to be quite honest. And then, you know, it was uh, harmless, uh, painless, and other than my arm being sore and the little um, red spot, on my arm. It was uh, great. I'm happy, happy to be vaccinated and, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be, um, you know, that part of it, my first shot done. And I'll look forward to my second shot whenever that comes around. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, before we get on with uh, the meat and potatoes, uh, talking about the draft taking place next Tuesday, your BC Lions, uh, as of now, picking fourth, uh, you never know what draft night brings, but uh, on the topic of vaccinations, uh, when you look at everyone getting it down south, I think pretty much all of our coaches south of the border have it. A lot of our players down there as well. Um, you know, in, in wake of the new target dates, uh, starting the regular season August 5th, and you do the math, that's training camp likely middle July somewhere in there. Um, you know, how confident are you based on what we were told by the CFL last week? Well, I'm very, I mean, I'm going to follow the rules and regulations that our uh, healthcare professionals put in front of us. And uh, as, as a league, um, you know, I was, I was excited that the league was able to come out and uh, discuss a date and, um, you know, a, a, a targeted timeline of when we're going to be going to training camp. So, you know, we were supposed to go May 15th. That wasn't in the book. So now we've, we've changed that to basically, like you said, the, be the beginning of July to start uh, the season starting at the beginning of August. So I'm excited about the opportunity to, uh, you know, get on the field and just get going. I just, you know, we, we were ready to go for May 15th, but you know what, we will be ready to go and that more organized once, uh, you know, once we do finally get to a training camp in, in July. It's going to be exciting. Uh, it's also going to be pretty intense. I mean, we got you, we spoke to you about this a bit last week, Neil, for the uh, piece we wrote for bclions.com on the return to play targets and 14 game season. Um, you know, once you start, it's on like uh, you can ill afford, you can never really afford to start slow, but 
this year especially, it's going to be intense right away, isn't it? Yeah, to be quite honest, in professional football, you have to be on the ball and ready to go. That's why training camp's so rigorous and so long and so tested because, you know, you have to, um, you know, get going. Or, you know, I know in 2011 we, we started off slow and were able to do it, but that is few and far between teams that are able to come out of, um, you know, falling into a giant hole and then that year we finished first place. So, you know, I don't want to put ourselves in a position that we are fighting to, you know, um, get in. I want to start off as quick as possible. I know all teams are going to do, but that's that's what we do is the competition, the, um, you know, the fact that it is a professional league that, you know, 18 games, 16 games, and now with 14 games, you know, each game is going to be um, just that more, you know, more important. So, you know, we're not starting a 160-game schedule, 84-game schedule. This is a 14-game schedule that, you know, we're going to have to, uh, you know, get the ball rolling real quick. And then all teams are going to feel the same way. And that's the beauty of you know, of sports. That's the beauty of professional football, that, um, you know, all games are an event because, the uh, you know, they mean so much at the end of the day. And maybe this is more of a Rick Campbell question, but um, you assume that preseason will not happen. Uh, that's what the NFL did in 2020, of course. Um, you know, how might that change the preparation or perhaps make training camp itself all that more important to be in sync and firing on all cylinders? You're not going to get the uh, the curtain call at the beginning of training camp to uh, have the preseason dance with uh, you know uh, you, you know usually we play a team from uh, from Alberta and um, you know Calgary or Edmonton and I, I just you know I, I I would like to have preseason games to be quite honest because it gives you an opportunity to see what your level is and where you need to upgrade and where you need to focus on so you know the coaches are um, you know they're prepared for that. And again, all teams are going to be prepared for that. And I'm assuming we're going to follow what the NFL did and just, uh, you know, start training camp and move forward. The thing that that will help is injuries. Usually, Mm. you know, the preseason game one, you know, the more games you play, the more injuries you're going to have. And so um, that in theory will help because you're playing two less games. Um, You know, the, the second preseason game is where all your veterans play and you're always a little bit nervous that first half because your veterans are in there because they need to get some uh, reps in. And, uh, you know, so this year, you know, I, I don't think they've, they've canceled anything yet, but the reality is, is that, you know, because of the way the world is um, having preseason games is not going to be as important as having regular season games. So uh, we're going to be prepared for uh, whatever's thrown our way. And, uh, you know, that's just going to give the offensive or the both offense and defense and, and the veterans uh, more time to uh, gel and, uh, you know, um, have a complement of first-year guys that are going to be able to fit in. It's going to give us more time to practice, more time to have, um, you know, probably scrimmages and probably more practices that are going to mean a lot more than just standing around and going through the motion. Um, without preseason games, you're going to have to put some game situations onto a, uh, onto a field so our our, our first-year guys and our, our veterans are able to uh, at least simulate some sort of live rep. So um, I'm not sure how the coaches are going to do that, but, uh, you know, at, at some point they're going to have to, um, you know, put some practices together. They're going to be a lot more intense than just the regular stuff we're used to. 
Yeah, and that's, uh, for those who are confused, that's by no means official. Uh, we're just planning for all types of scenarios. So, honestly, uh, I, I believe uh, we're expecting uh, a new schedule here in the coming days or the next couple weeks. So, that's going to come sooner than we anticipated. So, that's going to be very exciting times to see sort of the breakdown and and how they do all that. Uh, CFL draft coming up Tuesday, the 4th of May, uh, just under a week from now. And... Um, four o'clock Pacific on TSN follow all of our activity as well at bclions.com uh, lions with the fourth 15th 22nd and 51st selections scaling it back down to six rounds this year Neil uh, before we get into what you might be thinking or, or what needs you might want to address what can you say about the overall depth of this prospect pool I mean the CFL just released its uh scouting rankings of uh, the spring edition and in the top 10 i see a receiver a running back a linebacker a couple dbs and of course a few alignmen that to me says that there's depth of a lot of positions this year is that true yeah i'd say the canadian football league draft always has uh potential to you know um, bring in top notch players to complement football and so um at the fourth pick 15th pick and 21st pick you know, I believe we're going to have three quality football players that will be able to come in and uh, not only make our football team, make us a better team. And, um, you know, we, we saw that with the global draft. You know, um, we were going into that draft thinking that we we're going to be able to upgrade some positions, and we certainly did. Um, so the Canadian, the Canadian draft is going to be no different. There are, there are some really good players, and now it's our job to, um, you know, figure out who is the best fit for the BC Lions at number four and number 15 and ultimately 21, 40 and 51, I believe is our, we do have the 40th pick in there somewhere as well. Correct. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Canadian draft is, is a, is a, is a great process. And it's, you know what, I said this about the global draft, but you know what, talking to these guys without talking political or, you know, without talking, you know, the, the, what, professional football and, 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 and all the stuff that comes with it. These guys are young and just want to get involved and are excited about the fact we're talking to them and are just excited about the next step in their, you know, football career. So that part for me is really enjoyable just to talk to guys to explain, you know, what professional football is and how it's going to affect them. And it's always great to, uh, you know, call guys on draft day and let them know that they're going to be BC Lions and it's a big deal for their families, a big deal for them, and a big deal for Canadians. The Canadian Football League and the Canadian Football Draft has been around a long, long time. It'll be around a long after we're gone. So, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a great institution. It's a great um, – I love being a part of the draft. And as a personnel guy, it's, it's one of the most exciting times of the year for me. Yeah, how does it – how does it differ this year for you? Uh, you've added the general manager title to your duties. You've been heavily involved in the scouting. Normally you'd be going to all these combines right now in the U S camps, but um, I mean, does, does it change for you in that regard or is it just like wearing an old hat? Yeah, it's almost it's a little bit of both. I mean, um, I don't have to convince the guy in front of me that, um, you know, maybe we should pick this guy. I, I have to convince myself. Rick and I have talked, we're on the same page as to, you know, where we want to be with the fourth pick. And you know what, um, with the Canadian draft, you got to think long-term, these players, you got to think long-term. It's not a short-term process. You're going to bring these guys into your football team, to your community and have them as, 
BC Lions for, you know, at, at minimum three years. So, um, and, and longer. I mean, you want to draft these guys to make them a part of the group. And uh, you know what? Um, the, the process, to be quite honest, hasn't really changed. Just that we're missing possibly, you know, the, 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 the final guy that, uh, you know, when you have to talk to Wally or talk to Ed and try to convince them and mold them into what your thoughts were. Now I just have to convince myself. And, um, you know, that process is a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it is the same process, trying to get the, the, the best players available to come in to uh, complement the current guys you have and to build the best uh, football team possible. Um, whether it's someone who might be chosen in the NFL draft or someone who might have some red shirt eligibility to go back to school for a year, are you prepared to take someone at number four that you might not see until 2022? Yeah, good question. And we haven't gotten that far in the process yet. I would have to say because there are so many red shirts and, uh, players who have the, um, uh, you know, option or op- opportunity to get drafted in the NFL as well. Um, you know, there are at least 15, 20 guys who are in that category. So in theory, you have to say, yes, you're going to have to be able to. And if you're, if your option and your opportunity is to draft for the future, um, you know, we shouldn't be afraid to pick a guy that may not be um, ready to come to you right away because he has, uh, you know, opportunity to play in the NFL or opportunity to go back to uh, his school in the United States to, uh, you know, just get better. And, and when his schooling's over, he can come to us for the 2022 season. But I can't say we're going to do that because there are some good players that are coming out and are willing to, or wanting to come to us right away. So, um, you know, over the next, you know, six, seven days, that's what we're going to be doing. We're, we, we have a list of guys. Now it's getting down to, you know, discussing and, uh, you know, convincing everyone within the group who drafts with, uh, you know, if, if, if this, you know, the top, what we do is you, you have a top four, you have a top 15 and top 21, and that gives you a draft board to, uh, you know, on draft day, you're not scrambling. Pick the right guy. Um, just mentioning names here. We're not tipping hands. We're just going by CFL.ca, but I wanted, I, I was interested in this, Neil, because there's some good bloodlines in this draft. Uh, Javon Holland, a defensive back out of Oregon, the son of former BC Lion Robert Holland, correct? Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see uh, Bo Lacumbo, of course, has a brother, Nelson, uh, Saskatchewan Husky. Uh, he's up in the CFL rankings to number 17. Yep. Um, and then I see uh, Amen Ogbongamia. That's the brother of Alex, is it not? I believe so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was here for a cup of coffee. Uh, yep. It's always cool, though, when you see those bloodlines uh, that are eligible to become pros, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually more um, just off the top of my head. I can't get those guys. But you know what? Yeah, Robert Holland, when I first started with the BC Lions in 95, 96, I think he was with the club at that time, or I think he played for the uh, team as well but um, his, his son was born here in Coquitlam and then when when his career was over he actually stayed for a few years and then I think he ultimately moved back down to California in the early 2000s five or six years after his career had ended but he still had ties and obviously his son born in Canada so as a Canadian just yeah and, that, and that's the beauty of the professional of Canadian yeah. professional football the, these guys who have no ties to Canada other than football come here and, you know, what have families. And now you have, you know, great young men who have, you know, hoping to come back or even guys who are born in Canada are now going to be drafted in the NFL. 
the Canadian Football League just gives opportunities to guys throughout North America and now with the global draft throughout the world to come to Canada and ultimately Vancouver and lay down some roots and, um, you know, just bring great stuff to our community. And that's, you know, we're hoping to continue that trend. You're so right. I remember we were talking before, uh, was listening to some classic Tom Larshide Lions clips. Now, that's another guy. The, he moved here to become a BC Lion. If it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have had him on hockey. You wouldn't have had him in our broadcast booth. Yeah, so down. that's what people say. What a great hockey guy. Tommy Larshide, I know he is a good hockey guy. Great. But he is a returner slash running back from Utah. That's what he is. He is a football player that ended up being on the radio to talk football and ultimately had the you know great voice and I, I you know move on to hockey where he ended up. But you know what? A guy that, you know, he's not he's an American. He's an American that came to Canada and, you know down some roots had a family here and he's if you ask him he's 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 canadian from vancouver but you know if it wasn't for the bc lions tom larshide doesn't come up to vancouver to become the the hockey guy that he is today and uh tom larshide great broadcaster great man as well uh one of the kinder one of the more kind uh down-to-earth guys you'll ever meet and that's and that's so funny to think about because He's a character in the booth, right? We know him, but you know, there's, a, yeah. there's a human side to it too. Uh, shout out to JP McConnell, by the way. Uh, he's listening in France. He he reaches out every once in a while. He knows what's going on content wise. So, yes, yeah, uh, so when I first started my first training camp in '97, I believe, or no, sorry, yes, he was there. But uh, my first training camp as doing a lot of media stuff, I think, was '98. We were in Chilliwack. And uh, Mr. McConnell is a great, great man and a great ambassador to uh, the BC Lions. There's no doubt. There's quick, a lot of good Tom Larshot stories too. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> those two should write a book. But anyway, quick JP story. Um, he um, he he comes over well, pre-COVID. Anyway, he'd come over and and visit regularly, right, from France, summertime, vacation, whatever. And uh, back at uh, the 1040 days, uh, he actually came into studio to do a couple of segments with, I believe, uh, BMAC and Don Taylor. And um, I asked him to get, I asked him for a picture after he says, okay, son, uh, but do me a favor. Don't post it. Cause I see you on Facebook. You post everything. Just don't post it. Like JP, your wish is my command. Yeah. And he was, he, he was laughing about it. And, um, and we took a picture. So we had um, back when he was first back when, late 90s we're in training camp in Chilliwack and he had this great brand new device it wasn't a phone but it was like a device to you know to record a Marantz a digital it was, a, wasn't tape Marantz so he, is what you're talking about yeah sure, I don't know, but a big brick looking thing yeah but it was it was a smaller one than that it, there was no yeah. tape in it. I think it was a digital one okay and it was he was all showing uh, Rick Dollywall was working for News 1130 at that point. He was there and a couple other radio guys. So he was showing them this brand new, beautiful digital recording device. And everyone had the bricks, the, the tape thing. And so for whatever reason, he used to always put that on the ground in front of where he was sitting yeah. and then yeah. go stand close to the field. And uh, Brian Red Hamilton, currently with the Canucks, mm-hmm. um, was the equipment assistant with the Lions. And he put like a a uh, plastic cup right beside that, and stepped on it, and looked at JP like he had stepped on his beautiful new prized <laughs> possession. And JP went crazy; it was so great. But then Brian showed him that was just a cup. <laughs> it was so funny. I had wow. that embedded into my mind that day. It was really really fun. Uh, yeah. 
to be a fly, uh, to be a fly circling uh, when that was going on. Uh, great yep. stuff. And, uh, and, you know, I say it all the time, Neil, I mean, um, we've won some great cups, but whether it's, there's no Stanley cups to talk about, but one thing we've always been blessed with in this market, great professionalism when it comes to broadcasters, uh, Jim Robson, we've yep. talked about Tommy and JP. Uh, we've been spoiled with John Shorthouse in the hockey booth for a lot of years. Now he's turned into a great one. Jim Houston as well. Yep. We were blessed with before he went national. It's, it's remarkable when you list those names. Yeah, you know what's funny? I remember um, again back with JP McConnell. I think he was the head of CKW, and John Shorthouse was actually here. I think probably with uh, um, whatever whatever stage he was a TV guy. At the time. Sports page, UTV. I remember, yeah. I remember the practice had ended, and um, he was outside on our field here in Surrey, talking to JP for like hours after the practice had ended, and they were you know it was it seemed like they were being very, very cordial, but everyone's like, who, like, what are they talking about? What are they talking about? And I believe the next week he was named the uh, radio play-by-play guy for the Canucks. So obviously they were talking about that position because JP was the head of the sports at the time. So, you know, yeah, just a lot of the, yeah, you're right. Great broadcast. And even, you know, Rick Ball, who was here now with yep. uh, Calvary, you know, we, we've had, um, you know, JP McConnell being the Hall of Famer. He is, you know, that's the voice of the BC Lions when I was a kid I used to listen to games you know back when there wasn't all TV and I probably wasn't allowed to stay up so you had to listen to Canuck and Lions games on the radio and you know what they just gave you a visualization that you know a lot of kids today like my kids can't listen to the radio to a sporting event but right and and you can certainly you know go back to your roots to you know that sometimes is more exciting and um, yeah I used to love those guys you know even you know, even later when the Canucks were on the radio, I used to listen to listen to Tom Larchai and all those guys talk about it because it was just, uh, it was good radio, entertaining. I'm glad you remembered to mention the baller. Uh, love the baller. Uh, was great to be able to catch up with him in Calgary uh, last CFL season there in 2019. Um, kind of bring it full circle here, Neil. I know we've uh, kind of uh, gone long, but this is great stuff. Uh, when it comes to the draft, I mean, one thing that I always marvel is just, the unpredictability, if you will. I mean, Hunter Stewart was a guy you were high on in 2013. I think it was round one. He was a first round pick and he's still here. He's our longest serving player on offense. Uh, Other times uh, you get guys who don't work out. Some guys run into bad luck with injuries. Uh, I think of a guy like Charles Viancourt in 2016, uh, just got hurt and couldn't shake it. Right. I mean, does that add to the intrigue as well? The fact that there's an unpredictability to all this too. Does that make it more intriguing? Yeah, I mean the draft is 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 tough in because you, you got to project these guys to be with you for you know um, I say three years because that's the way the contracts are built right now. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you want a guy for six, seven, eight years, like you know the Hunter Stewards of the world, like the you know Jason Claremonts of the world who stayed with us for eight years. You want to get guys who are going to be with you and be a part of your team so you can build around them. You want to bring guys in so they can complement the current, you know, national guys you have. So the next group of guys, you know, you can just slot them in and then all of a sudden you have a, you know, a pretty good football team with good nationals, you know, um, Lamar Durant. I know we didn't draft him, but again, a good, great local player who has come back to uh, be with his hometown team and a guy that we can build around. So, you know what, uh, the draft is, 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 is a process where you want to be able to pick guys that are going to be around and just not uh, guys who are, are doing this just to uh, be, 
you know, one year guys and look elsewhere. You want to have them to, uh, you know, be with your club for a long term. And, uh, you know, that that's how you get, get good and get good players. Uh, I love the late round gems, uh, Shaq Johnson. That was maybe a guy who slipped, but round four in 2016 sat for a year pretty much. And now he's going to be one of our go-to guys. Uh, for me, that, that makes it uh, intriguing as well. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. The, the late round guys, to be quite honest, it doesn't end after the first round, second round, or third round. Those are the guys that give you depth, to be quite honest. Your first and second round guys, sometimes teams have been able to take, you know, uh, chances on because, you know, maybe they are going to get shot to the NFL. And that's just another wrinkle that you have to put in that, you know what, um, at the end of the day, because of the financial um, opportunities in the NFL, coming to Canada is not going to be their first first shot. But so, you know, the guys in the third, fourth, and fifth round, those are your depth guys. Those are the guys who play special teams for you for a long time. Those are your your, your Jason Iraqis of the world that just play yeah. 10 or 12 years with on your football team. And you don't give them as much credit as maybe you should because they're just – staple individuals within your team that, you know, you certainly need those guys because if you don't have them, you're always going to be looking for them. Very well said. Um, first chance, uh, we've had a few days to sort of reflect on it, but the globals before we're out of here, Neil. Um, Ford, Yamasaki, as far as special teams goes, Bo Chow Lee, uh, Rush End, a guy who can probably play well on teams, and of course, uh, Nicholas Gustav, the German D-lineman, Yep. Uh, safe to say you're pretty happy with how the global situation turned out? Yeah, do you know what? Uh, I don't think we could have gotten any better with, uh, you know, how we how we plateaued it. I know every team has different plateaus, but our plateau actually worked uh, pretty good. Um, you know what? Uh, we had, obviously, the first pick was easy because we had the first pick, so we didn't have to wait for that. Um, we had spoken to Jake a bunch of times before the draft and felt that he was going to be just the best fit for our football team, we wanted a guy who could be able to punt and uh, complement uh, the field goal kicker and do do all our kickoffs, which is exactly what he can do. And the fact that he holds gives you an opportunity for him to be a part of basically uh, most of your special teams other than other than punt return. Um, and the next group, like Bo Chow Lee, I think, you know, he brings a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of added, uh, you know, marketing stuff, possibilities, and just – you know, a good football player at the end of the day that, that we were happy. I didn't think he was going to last until that pick, but, you know, the fact that he was there, we were happy to get him. And at 19th pick, some some teams had, uh, you know, our Japanese kicker maybe, you know, going in the uh, early in the second round just because of that 73-yard field goal that he did. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, all three of those guys we were glad to get. And, and Mr. Kuzmoff is certainly is currently playing at Morningside, so um, – he is still, he might be in the best of shape out of all our players because he's playing football right now at their morning sides playing a spring schedule. So hmm. um, I've talked to him and he's excited about coming to camp once it gets going. But, you know, we've left him just to concentrate on his uh, spring football season. And once that is over, probably around June, then uh, we'll start the process of uh, getting him up to speed and everything else. But, yeah, the Global Cup, a good, great experience for me, great experience talking to those guys. And like I said, it was refreshing to talk to uh, all of those guys about, uh, you know, Canadian football outside of just kids from North America. It was nice to talk to all, you know, bringing three-down football to uh, young men from China and Japan, something that uh, you never thought you'd have a chance to do, but uh, we're able to do. And, you know what, they were they were excited about the process too, so it's always, uh, it's always good to see. 
going to have two rookie Canadian draft class and a nice, uh, fresh global class in Kamloops. Uh, hopefully, knock on wood, by uh, early mid-July. Neil, uh, thanks for this. Uh, we could go on and on, and uh, we'll do a whole other show on uh, broadcast legends, I feel, at one point here. Yeah, but, uh, that'd be great. Best of luck with the draft, and um, I know our fans are excited that this roster is coming together. I'm excited, too. I can't wait to be in Kamloops for training camp and uh, get going. Thank you.